What is up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I am Ethan Simi. And I'm Ben Lawhorn. This week on the pod, we are inviting you all to walk through the red door of our secluded cabin and join us as we talk about 2017's It Comes at Night. Secure within a desolate home as an unnatural threat terrorizes the world, a man has established a tenuous domestic order with his wife and son. Then a desperate young family arrives seeking refuge. As is the case with all of our podcasts, spoilers are ahead for 2017's It Comes at Night. Uh, If you don't want to be spoiled, pause the pod, go check out the movie, come back to this episode. Um... This is a a build as a horror mystery, I believe, um, okay. which is interesting. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about if it's actually a horror movie. We we did want to end spooky season, um, you know, with with a horror movie. And I feel like this is a lesser talked about, lesser known one. I I did not. I I mean, I feel like I knew about this movie, but I I did not know what this movie was about or anything. Was this your first time with this movie, Ben? Yeah, it was like I okay. think you said you went in completely blind, right? Like you just oh, like, yeah. put it on. I was blind, baby. Blind as a bat. I watched the trailer and that was it. Um, and I will say oh. this feels like one of the most misleading trailers of all time because oh, I really? was just like, not necessarily in a bad way, but I, I thought I was getting something else when I put this on, you know, I was ready for yeah. more jump scares. I was ready for yeah. like an actual monster of some sort or an attack or something. Um, and then that just doesn't happen. Like it's all like internal, you know what I mean? Like everything happens inside the cabin, which is great. Like I, I like that kind of stuff. I just was like bracing myself for the first hour of like, all right, what is this thing going to be? That's like attacking them. What's causing this? And then like, nope, there's nothing. It's just all them, you know, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess something gets that dog who knows what but uh yeah it just yeah. It wasn't what i was expecting i still had a, a okay time with it but i just i thought okay. i was getting something else for sure is it is it safe to say you felt a little bamboozled you felt a little duped by the trailer ben not on the level <laughs> of the witch but yeah i definitely <laughs> felt a little a little bamboozled but i still enjoyed it so yeah a24 out here just bamboozling people just left bamboozling and right me, with their man. trailers man <laughs> um Okay, real quick, before we talk about the movie anymore, I did want to just bring up one topic. Um, A24 has done a screening room before they have a screening room online. That's how we were able to watch Funny Pages last Mm -hmm. month and cover it here on the pod. They generally do really cool things, especially if you are an all-access A24 member like you and I are. Um, But they did have a horror screening room this past week. I think it was just like yesterday or a couple days ago, actually. Um, It was $6. Six horror movies. You have like six days or seven days to watch all of these horror movies and you get access to all of them. It was Lamb, St. Maud, Hereditary, Midsommar, Green Room, and The Witch. I just wanted to bring this up. I think it's really cool. I think this is really cool that A24 does this and I think they should do it with more things. Mm -hmm. Um, My my one call out is like, Lamb's not a horror movie, but you know, we know how we feel about this. Um, Are are you a fan of these, these screening rooms? Oh, the screening rooms are great. I love it. Like, I don't know if like society is just getting worse since the pandemic or I'm just getting (laughs) older, maybe both, but I love a theater experience so much. That's why I love movies, all that kind of stuff. But, and just like people are on their phone so much people like they act like they're at home now in the theater sometimes. And it drives me crazy. It's like, you guys 
you're in public right now. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, we're all trying to watch in. this movie for the first time. You know what I mean? So yeah. there are some times where I'm just like, I can't be here. This is so annoying, which is why I think things like the screen room are fantastic. Um, this episode is going to drop on the 28th. So I think this runs through the 31st. So you could still okay. sign up for this right now and have through the end of the month to watch all of these. We have covered all six of these movies. So, you know, maybe let's do a little double feature, you know, watch the movie, listen to us talk about it. Um, I think overall we're positive on most of these movies. Um, obviously I had my feelings on the witch. Uh, we also recently covered St. Maud. Um, yep. but yeah. And if you haven't seen green room, please watch it because I need everyone to love it, <laughs> including you, Jade, please. You Come need on, to love Jade, this movie. get it together. <laughs> it's such a good movie. Patrick Stewart's a bad guy. Come on. It's perfect. Um, but yeah. The the screen room's great and I do hope they do more things like this. Like six bucks for six movies is insane. Like you can't rent a movie for cheaper than four bucks, it seems like. So if you get six of them, this is perfect. So yeah, I would I would highly suggest anybody do this. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And you know, I mean, generally speaking, hereditary and midsummer are among, you know, ten of the the greatest indie horror movies of all time, right? Like you're yep. you're talking about Ones that are are pretty revered, um, which is pretty cool. So yeah, take advantage of that. Uh, I think you can just Google like A twenty four screening room and and it should pop up. You should be able to find it. Um, okay, I'll start with my general thoughts since you shared a little bit about your experience with it comes at night. Um, so I had to turn this on uh, while Molly and I were eating dinner um, because I was going to watch it yesterday. I had to write a paper for school instead. Mm. Watched it today and I was like, this is great. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to jump right into the pod. Going to be perfect opportunity. I roped Molly in with like the first act, the first nice. 25, 30 minutes. She got roped in, tried to do some homework on the couch, and she ended up closing her laptop and, and was glued to the rest of the movie. So bonus point, Molly was interested, which I feel like is, is, is a big win for a movie, for sure. She's not really into movies like that. Um, but I felt, I guess I felt like this movie was a little bit more meandering and a little bit more of a roller coaster than I had anticipated. I think there yeah. were really a lot of like ebbs and flows with the pacing um, considering we start out with such like an abrasive kind of, you know, set of scenes and, and, and a setting that we get and really kind of being freaked out initially. I feel yeah. like we took, took a couple dips of like where I was, I was like, okay, what, what, what are we doing? Like what's mm -hmm. going down? What's the goal? What are we, what are we learning here? What are we setting up? Um, and then, you know, it comes at night, obviously, refers to, you know, grief and fear and all of these inward facing things. But I do think the movie has a couple of issues when it tackles what we saw. My biggest question, what happened with the dog, dude? Something yeah. got the dog. That is yeah. a fact. What what was it? What could it be? Like do you have any idea? I think that's my biggest question mark is like when you have a movie in this setting, I, I need to know. I need to know more. I just need to know a little bit of background. Like, how how are people getting sick? Like, how many people are left? We we get mentions of, like, the city, but mm -hmm. there's just, like, not quite enough details. And then, like, the dog is dragged in with blood dripping everywhere. Yeah. That was my biggest question to you is, like, what do you, what do you think got the dog? That's I mean, that's what I really don't know. And that's why I was expecting more of that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, cool. The dog just got attacked or... Like it was responding to something that it was running towards, you know, and then, yeah, as it comes back and I mean, you're just seeing its guts and stuff like that. Like, okay, whatever this is possibly tied to whatever is causing this infection is out there. 
but we never get to see what it is. Um, and so that's again, like where I felt like the little bait and switch here is like, Oh, okay. This isn't like, I thought that it, I think like most people thought that it was like a monster or whatever. Like yeah. that's what comes at night. That's why you don't go outside at night. Cause that's when they are roaming, like they're nocturnal monsters. So we can go out during the day, you know, kind of like a quiet place, but instead of, you know, noise, it's just like daylight or something, whatever. That's what I thought we were getting. Um, but you're right. Then it becomes it. It's, it's more about the grief. I mean, our protagonist ends up being the sun. Like I, you think it's Joel Edgerton, yeah. but we're, everything is seen essentially through the focus of the sun here. He's played by Kelvin Harrison Jr. Who does a great job. Um, I didn't know what else I had seen him in, but you know, I pulled up his IMDb. He was in, um, he played BB King in the recent Elvis movie, which I love. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. He's going to be, I believe in the Lion King remake with Barry Jenkins, the Mufasa or not remake, but sequel. Uh, he's going to be in that. He was in Trials Chicago 7. Um, and also he was in Banger. Waves, which is a movie that we have not talked about yet, but it was directed by the same guy, Trey Edward Schultz. So I feel like we have to hit Waves uh, pretty soon here because, yep. I mean, these two, it, it seems like it's a, it's a great duo. So Kelvin Harrison Jr. was great. The rest of the cast is honestly also awesome. We we're both, I think, here for Riley Keough at all times. Always, you know, always. like, yeah, whatever yep. the movie is, <laughs> if Riley Keough's in it, I'm there. Joel Edgerton, obviously, Christopher Abbott, and Carmen E. Jogo, I believe is how you say her last name. So all of them doing wonderful work here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. They really create like a very, I don't know. I love a movie that gives you a sense of the place. And we know exactly where we're at. This house yep. is very intimate and we get to know pretty much every single nook and cranny of this house where, you know, the kid goes to like, listen, where Travis goes to listen to people talking and stuff like that. But um, everything is really kind of seen through his lens. We get his like dreams, you know, and like the, the yeah. camera even switches to like a different aspect ratio. Like when we're, when we're in his dream sequences, which is kind of cool, but that's what's like, did he like, is he the one that was like walking at night? You know, we thought it was a little boy, but maybe it's him. There's a lot that's brought up that's really kind of uh, interesting to to think about, but I I, I liked it. Like I said, I, I didn't get what I thought I was getting, but I still enjoyed what this movie was. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. I think it definitely threw me for a loop initially when I was like, oh, Travis is, we, this is what he is saying. Like, this is what is concerning him. I initially thought it might have been possible that, like, he, he was, some, yeah, I, I don't know, like, paranormal in some aspect like he could mm -hmm. see the future or like see what is going to happen because he initially comes into contact with will this guy that they find yeah. and he has a dream or a nightmare of like meeting him while he's tied to the tree and like sees that his eyes are black and mm -hmm. and i was like oh so like maybe he can tell like people are going to get sick or something like that so i think most of my questions come from like the the travis like seeing things and experiencing things aspect but i do understand that it goes hand in hand with like it comes at night like it is the fear and the treachery and the darkness that travis experiences like that is what is coming for him mm -hmm. um and it isn't necessarily like this monster let's let's get into true cinema so we can break do this it. down we can talk yeah. about talk about the final um you know 10 minutes a little bit more because i feel like this has a a pretty solid like a 24 final 15 here for sure um definitely caught me a little off guard i want to start with the opening scene huge like stage setter of the grandpa being sick having this illness and taking him out 
you know, to the forest and shooting him and, and burning him, uh, you know, and it's kind of wild. Honestly. He's got a like system. It's, it's, yeah, it's like they've definitely done this before. Yeah. And, you know, and they have that room. They have that, that kind of like uh, quarantine room mm-hmm. in in which the grandpa is. So this is not the first rodeo. I thought it, I thought it was a very effective and, and um, impactful, fi- like, you know, opening few minutes to really set this, set in that fear. Of like, yeah. oh my god, okay, like we they they do not fuck around when it comes to this disease. Yeah, it's it lets us know within the first five minutes that nobody is off limits from dying in this movie. Yeah, it's like the the dude is willing to shoot his father in law in the head. You know what I mean? Like if if you're sick, you're done for. You know, so it's like okay, cool. This is not a disease to be messed with. These people are not to be messed with. Like he's got a system for sure. Um, yeah, I thought that was like very effective. Uh, I mean, I just open up with them saying goodbye to him. It's like, holy, holy cow, this is kind of crazy. And then I think it's like a little bit after that, um, the first night of sleep where we get the first dream with Travis and we get this, you know, the grandpa, you know, kind of with the black, whatever coming out of his mouth. And that's like, honestly, like kind of the only real jump scare we get throughout it. There's like a, a couple of them, but that's the first one. And that's what I thought we were getting was more of like this really just i don't know you know just this scary stuff this whatever's coming out of our mouth we get it a little bit with riley keogh later but not like in the same kind of suspense like in your face kind of way um but a super effective opening and just lets you know like anybody could go they're not afraid to kill anybody so yeah let's let's do this yeah and it you know and that theme mission accomplished when you get to the end yeah. right we people die like mm-hmm. basically everybody dies and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they're, they're not afraid to do what needs to be done in order to try to reclaim their safety and have their safety. Let me ask you this then. So is this movie in your eyes, is this, is this a horror movie or is this more of a, of a thriller? Is it more of a mystery? What do you think, like, what is the genre that this ultimately falls under? Probably thriller. I think overall with like a, a yeah. horror sheen on it i guess i don't know like it's <laughs> a horror kind veil of, yeah exactly like it's kind of shown that way i mean I, I brought it up earlier but it's kind of feels reminiscent of a quiet place you know where it is like kind of this apocalyptic thing happening but in that one we do get the jump scares there are monsters like there is that side of stuff um and we don't really get a lot of that here so that's where for me it just becomes less of a horror movie and more of like a suspense thriller mm-hmm. mystery kind of thing so i i I get why it's like labeled this way. Um, and I think it's what they want people to think it is. Um, but for me, I'd probably in retrospect, call it more of a thriller. Yeah. I think like initially I might've been like 15 or 20 minutes in and I was like, this is a thriller. This is not a horror for me. This is definitely like a, a high suspense, slow burn thriller of like, what are we going to do? What is our, our moral obligation to other human beings that are trying to survive, right? And I think mm-hmm. by the time we we get to the end, I think at least the the really dark and like maybe maybe not demented, but like the darker side of like the moral of the story is like humanity's kindness killed like th- yeah. this guy was so like was so hopeful and was looking on the positive side of things that got them killed. Ultimately, they had a mm-hmm. really fucking good setup and they and he blew it. Because of this dude that that came in looking for supplies and and he ended up helping him out. Um, next on the list, interrogation on the tree. We get Paul 
who is played by Joel Edgerton. We get Will, the guy who, you know, is is part of this family and he comes looking for supplies. And Paul ransacks, I mean, just takes him out, ultimately. Yeah. Knocks him clean out for like hours and hours and hours. He had to be out for a long time because they tied him to the tree. They went back like the next morning. He was still unconscious. Um, and we get this really intimate kind of interrogation of like, what are you doing? Don't lie to me or I'll murder you right now here on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, my my big question to you in this scene, and I think this scene is really pivotal, pivotal for the direction that these characters end up eventually taking. Yeah. Do did you personally, did you believe Will's story? Did you believe that he had a kid, he had a wife, they live 50 miles away, they're just trying to look for water and supplies? Like, were you buying that when he initially told this story? Yeah, I was. I was 100% wow. like on Hook, board line, with and it. Sinker. Yeah, I was there for it. I'm like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Um, and I do, okay. I still think that was the case. Like, I think they were healthy when they showed up. I think, you know, whatever happened, happened in the cabin. Um, mm. But yeah, I think the interrogation methods, all that kind of stuff, I feel like they kept him tied to that tree for a day. Like, they were like, Had we got be. two mornings, you know what I mean? But that also pr- brings up, you know, the next day with the interrogation where he like brings out the water and he's like, you can have this, but you have to give me answers and you get someone in desperate mode like this where they're tied to a tree for a full day. Like, like, yes, they're not going to like, ideally yep. they're not going to fuck with you. He shows him the gun with all the bullets in it. You know, he just tells him that was bad. He's like, listen, man, <laughs> I'm not faking you out. I have six bullets in this gun right now. I also have a jug of water. Like if you give me honest answers, you can have water. If you don't, you're going to get one of these bullets. Like it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> um, so yeah, I totally, I, I okay. believed it. I still think that that was the case. What, what about you? No, absolutely not guys really? a piece okay. of shit in, in, in my in my opinion nice. because it. there is a very particular moment for me that I think is 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 done quite well when Paul goes to kind of like untie him on the back end of the tree right we get yeah. this really like big tracking shot where we see Will kind of like ominously looking down and like off to the side he's kind of just like staring and I I remember like telling Molly out loud I was like that's that's the look and she's like what like what do you mean and i was like that's the look he is now trying to determine how do i how do i win this guy over how do i how do i take over his place how do i either murder him how do i get my family the best deal in this situation mm-hmm. in my eyes he he obviously wasn't lying about the kid and the, and the wife they they had you know two goats and chickens and things like this that was all very true but in my eyes from the very beginning his intentions were every man for himself. His intentions were not to start a community like Paul's wife had, had maybe thought that could, you know, be the ultimate case. Oh yeah. I, I, I think, I think it was very sus in my opinion. No, um, I, I believe that. <laughs> I, I guess I thought you were asking if I thought they were sick at that point or not. Like, Oh no. Good question. I thought that's though. what you were asking. I thought like he knew his son was sick. And so like, they were just trying to, you mm. know, for whatever reason. So I, I don't think they were sick. I think they were all healthy when they got there. I'm totally with you though. Like he had no okay. intentions of like creating a commune or whatever. It was just, <laughs> I think he was more straightforward. Like we will give you some food if you yep. give us water. Like I, I almost see it as point blank is that and then the wife brings up like, what if we all live together? It's like, okay, that could make sense, you know, but then it just becomes like a, a bad roommate movie after that where it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to live with a guy who's got all these rules, you know, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, dude, that overload initially. Yeah. He's like, yo, this is exactly how my house functioned. He's like, we're going to take your guns. We're going to put them in our safe. You good with yeah. that? And they're just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. That first, like there's a lot of family meetings around that table. And like, I, 
we've had those roommates for sure. So I would oh. be out of there too. Like, nah, man, I'm good. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Very like what we do in the shadow situation here with mm-hmm. everybody, everybody yeah. coming to Jesus at the table. Um, okay. I wanted to put the truck drive on here. This is kind of like the next big scene that we get. I wanted to put it on for a couple reasons. We get this really, um, I thought it was a very effective scoring of like this kind of thumping and beating yeah. really, really good at creating that tension in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally got a big sense of distrust between these two guys, right? They they really don't know who each other are yet, and they're trying to figure out where they stand with each other in this kind of like bowl fight of masculinity. Um, yeah. I really liked the camera work. We get this good shot in the rearview mirror of like Will in the back of the truck, and I I feel like that kind of like helps identify that mistrust a little bit. Like we're continuously watching our backs and looking back at this. Um, and then we get the ambush. We get this this massive and it. I will be honest, it was a little bit telegraphed of like, you know, okay, we're in the we're in the truck. Some shit is gonna go down, For obviously. Sure. They're ambushed by what appears to be two strangers, mm-hmm. a man and a son, I believe. Yeah. Um was I mean, what's your take on this? Was this was this planned? Did 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 Will know of these people? Like why would they all of a sudden like amb I, I don't know. I just I'm just curious. I'm I don't have a problem with the scene. I think it's actually yeah. quite good. But I'm just curious, like, what was what were these people thinking? I just assumed it was two people that were also trying to survive as well. Um, I, you know, if people are, are infected, I don't know, they're, like, they're in trucks or whatever. So I assume they were trying to, maybe they had supplies. Maybe they saw all the water in the back or whatever. Yeah. So it's just like, let's take these guys out. Because at that point, it just really seemed survival of the fittest out there. Which is also a crazy point that I didn't bring up during the interrogation scene. Joel Edgerton was a fucking teacher. Like he was not Dude, like in the army I or anything. But he has all these systems <laughs> dialed in. Like he knows what he's doing. It is crazy, but he was a history teacher. So maybe he just like knows all these tactics, you know, from the past, yeah. from wars, from all that kind of, he's even talks about, like, if you want to know anything about the Roman empire, I can tell you that. So. <laughs> and I was hopeful. He was, like, I was like, that's the moment. Sick. Like Joel Edgerton, give us a two minute Ted talk on the Roman yeah, empire, bro. Let's like do give this. it to us. <laughs> uh, no, I love that. I loved it though. Like you said, really, really built some great tension as they leave. Um, he's like, you're in the back. It's like, okay. And then puts his backpack back there. Then also reaches down and pulls the hammer that was back yeah. there. And I was like, yeah. oh man, like he really doesn't trust this dude. Cause this guy might grab the hammer and like hit him while he's driving or whatever. So it's like, okay, we know there's still no trust here. And there's not at that point because he's like, I'm going to go see if his family's sick or not. Like we'll see what happens. Um, so it's totally understandable at that point, but I do think trust comes for a little while, but this was, a uh, you know, arguably for me, maybe one of the most like important and best scenes of the movie. Yeah. Um, okay. Travis's first dream. I wanted to to bring this up. You mentioned we kind of see things through the lens of Travis. We get this dream. Um, and this is like his initial dream where Riley Keogh's character, Kim, like mm-hmm. shows shows up in his room because obviously I I you know, we we get a, a scene later after this where they're in real life, like sitting at the dinner table in the middle of yeah. the night and and there's definitely that sexual tension there of like Travis has not been around another woman that is like not his family and they're living in the fucking apocalypse. So like dude's probably just, just dying here at the sight of a woman. <laughs> um, yeah. But Riley Keough's character shows up in his room, gets on top of him and then starts dribbling this black substance or blood or whatever it is out of her mouth, like into his mouth. Um, I thought that was definitely like a little horrific, a little on the horror side of yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, and I like that. The dreams did not always work for me though. I thought they were a little 
ambiguous some of the time, um, at, at least in like what was trying to be portrayed. I had a hard time distinguishing. Like we dream, like did this actually happen? And I and I want to come back to that question at the end when we talk about the final scene as well. Yeah, uh, I thought. I mean, this was a very cool scene. Uh, I enjoyed it. Like you said, I was thinking about that while we were watching this. Like we talked last week about the witch, and you know, I was like, I mean, I watch these movies. I'm like, man, how are these parents having sex? Like, if all these people are in the same house, <laughs> like the same room, you know. Same problem, I thinking bro. about this dude, just I guess just to give people an insight of where my brain's at while I watch these, was like, <laughs> man, this kid just must like go to town on himself all the yeah, time. Like, you're yeah, just a fucking apocalypse. Say, like, little yank bank right there. Yeah, that guy has like so many crusty <laughs> socks under his mattress without a doubt, you know? Like, so oh. to finally like meet another woman, like, we, I don't think we know exactly how long this thing has been going on, but like to meet someone and it's just like, yeah, like she's married and all that kind of stuff. But for him, it's, are possibly the only woman he's seen in years, you know? Um, so it's kind of, it's an interesting tension to bring into the house. And I think we kind of feel it from her a little bit too, because in theory, she's been just with these, you know, her son and husband the whole time, or I don't know if they're married or not or whatever partners, but yeah. Um, yeah. The, that dinner table scene where they're talking late at night is, it brings a lot of cool tension in there that um, I think it's effective for sure. Yeah. Speaking of the dinner table scene, I don't have it here on the true cinema, but I want to ask you cookie cupcake or uh ice cream guy. What do you, what do you prefer out of all three? Ice cream all day without a doubt. Any, any specific flavor here? You got a favorite or are you just taking whatever's given to you? I mean, desert Island, I'm taking mint chip. Like that's Fuck my jam. Yeah, ben, I knew we host a podcast <laughs> together for a reason, brother. This is money right here. That's, that's like, that's my go-to without a doubt. Like I'm, I'm open for stuff, but yeah, if you're giving me one choice, I'm going with that. What about you? Same? Yeah. No, absolutely the same. Look, if it's if it's not mint chocolate chip, it's regular chocolate chip, and yep. and it's it's always got to have a chocolate chip in it. But yeah, it's it's ice cream every day of the week and and twice on Sundays. No Without question about it. Yeah. Um. Okay, I've got two more here on the short list. Stanley, the dog running into the woods. This is really kind of like the second act finale, or like the introduction <laughs> to this third act kind of pacing that we get, where the dog runs off into the woods. Travis follows him. Paul is just like bitching at his kid and is just like you don't go into the woods by yourself and then we get a really good kind of animosity between Paul and Will of like mm-hmm. Will wanting to follow Stanley and like see what is in the woods Paul's like no we're we're going home like everybody pack yeah. it in we're going back obviously there's something out there and it looks like Travis sees it it looks like Travis has a look on his face of like he witnesses some some type of monster or something yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I thought it was a good scene. Because I think the next time we see Travis, he's like sketching, right? And that's when we see him drawing yeah, okay. the things like in here's the, the forest, thing, right? Here's the thing about the sketching. And I said this when I watched it. I said, look, if you're living in the apocalypse or you're living in this, this virus world and you are one of the final families and your only child is sketching a, a, a picture in which he sees dead things in the forest, you should be a little fucking concerned. You should yeah. be a little curious about what is going on. Joel Edgerton's character is just like, well, look for your dog in the morning, buddy. Have a good yeah. night. And it's like, do you not see what he is drawing right there? Yeah, he's not paying attention at all. Um, yeah, super effective scene. Again, uh, we get to see Will, like, I mean, just seeing, uh, what's his name? Is it Trevor? What's his name? I forget the son's name. Travis. Uh, Travis. Yeah. Him like mm-hmm. running off after the dog and then Will after him and then Paul, like it's, 
you know, just this effect of all then this like chain reaction going after the dog and then going after the people that are going after the dog. Um, it's, it's, it was so interesting how connected he became to that dog because he just like set aside any concern of what he was running towards. Like, I don't care. I'm going to go follow him. So, yeah. uh, super effective scene. Then yeah, as it wraps up and Paul's like, we're going now, you know, it's a will. It's like, Oh, you're kind of like running the show here and I don't know how well, you know, he's taking this. So that definitely, yeah. like you said, sends us into this third act here. Yeah. Uh, and then I kind of have a, have a catch all true cinema moment here for, kind of really the, the final 15 minutes that we get, um, you know, Stanley shows up, the dog shows up in kind of the quarantine room and is, is definitely sick or dead or dying or has been attacked yeah. by something. We find out that potentially Andrew is sick. I want to table that because I have a question, but that is what is told to us. Andrew is sick. Travis escorts him to, to the bedroom. Um, and then we, essentially come down to the wire of this big battle of like these two families kind of going at it, duking it out, holding each other at gunpoint, punching the shit out of each other, um, shooting each other in the woods. And Paul just, just shoots a kid, shoots a, a woman, just takes people down. Come on, Will. Uh, 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 Get up now. Uh, 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 don't fuck around, bro. Get on your feet now. Come on. And then the final, you know, few minutes is like this in and out sensation we get from Travis's perspective of him being sick and, and ultimately dying. And then we get this very haunting final frame. I feel like, again, like A24 has, has perfected them you know, finding movies that have very haunting final frames. Mm-hmm. We get uh, the, you know, the two characters, the husband and the wife um, looking at each other and they're, they're deathly ill and they're, they, they have ruined the safety that they had. Um, yeah. I, I was, I was definitely invested in this final 15, but it did not go the way that I thought it was going to go. Yeah. I, I didn't expect us to like essentially, lose everybody that we've been following the whole movie, which kind of feel like that's how it got left off there. So yeah, like in your mind, I was trying to figure this out. Like does Andrew, it's like the young boy that comes with Riley Keough and um, Christopher Abbott. Did he like pet Stanley and get sick and then Travis finds him and then sends him in with the parents? Like, is that the chain reaction here? Because we see Andrew first, but then later on we see that the door has been open. So in my mind, right. it's like, oh, I think maybe Andrew had saw the dog, and then this is why it, this has all happened because he asked him like, oh, does he sleepwalk? And both parents are like, no, you know, he doesn't mm-hmm. do that. So I don't know that that's kind of what how I perceive it all happen happening. What, what was your thoughts? That kind of the chain reaction, or what were you, what did you think? Yeah, so I I think and one of the one of the you know final moments that we get is. I think the reality of Travis actually going into the room, because there is a very, you know, um, important moment of, of them asking him, like, did you go into the room? Like, did you go and see the dog? And he, he, he adamantly denies it and says, no, 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 no. And then we get a scene in which he actually does. I chose to believe that scene. And so mm. in my eyes, he actually did go in the room because he couldn't help himself from, you know, seeing his dog. He went into the room. He, Travis, got sick and on the way back saw Andrew, took him into his parents' room, 
and transferred the sickness to Andrew. But I think Andrew showed symptoms first because he was younger, oh. because he was more susceptible to it. Travis held out for a little bit longer. So I think the the belief is like Andrew got sick, but I I think actually Travis caused the downfall of this of this family. Um, and Travis and and Andrew just displayed symptoms a, a little bit quicker. That okay. at, at least that's what I thought. So. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I I guess I assume Travis going in, which is part of his dream sequence again. But I can yeah, totally I, see that being the case. I don't know. I think it's left ambiguous on purpose. You know what I mean? Like we don't really yep. we don't know exactly. So uh, yep. either way, yeah, it leads to a great like dinner or dinner table chat. You know where they're just like pointing fingers, and then it's like okay, let's take time away from each other, and then it becomes this like uh like Mexican standoff, you know, where everyone's like pointing <laughs> guns at everybody. Yeah. And then like you said, like they, they start to leave and then, you know, they're running away and he accidentally shoots the kid. But then, you know, the mom is in there freaking out. But we saw like we talked about at the beginning of this movie, he shoots his father in law, like no one's off limits. So like yeah, he doesn't you know right Keo's <laughs> out of here. It's like, yeah, listen, I'm sorry I killed your kid, but you've got to go now too. So yep. that's just kind of it. So it leads to, you know, a great ending here that haunting final scene, like you said, with the two of them looking across from each other at the table, oh, it was good. both looking kind of sick, you know, to be honest, like they're both not <laughs> yeah. looking great at that point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's just like all in retrospect, like, Oh yeah, maybe you just should have killed this guy once he showed up and you guys would still be okay. But. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So he, so here is my question before we actually choose our true cinema moment here. Um, I, when, when this initially kicked off and when we get kind of will holding Paul at gunpoint in that stairway, Right, and then we've got Paul's Paul's wife. Uh, I can't can't remember uh, Sarah. Name. Sarah, yes, we've got Sarah holding a rifle against Will from another hallway, mm-hmm. and Kim screaming downstairs. So we've got this kind of like three way battle. Yeah, I remember at that moment thinking, you know what, a pretty bitchin' way to end this movie would be is that when Paul is counting to three, he goes, "Okay, we're gonna make a deal." On the count of three, we're both gonna drop our guns. He was like one, two, and I was like. I paused it. I told this to Molly and I was like, listen, if he says three and the screen goes black and we hear a gunshot, I think that's a fucking awesome way to end this movie because we don't know who shoots who. We don't know if anybody survives and we don't know anything beyond that. We just know that people's paranoia ended up getting to them. We don't officially know that anybody was actually sick. And, you know, I feel like that would be very in line with like the ambiguous ending. Like what happened? I don't know. Mm Maybe obviously that doesn't answer a lot, a lot of questions <laughs> yeah, yeah. that people might have. Um, but did you did you like the fact that like they ended up getting sick? Did did you enjoy that? Because for me, I just I just wanted to know more. I just wanted to know more about the sickness. Like, how did it start? Where did we get it from? Why are the symptoms so quick? Like, I just wanted more detail. So I was a little less attached to like, oh no, they got really sick. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, honestly. My takeaway from that is, uh, Molly, you have the patience of a saint because I could not, like, if you, if we were watching this movie <laughs> and we got to this scene right and you there. paused it on me, I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Turn you the movie on. <laughs> so, Molly, uh, all credit to you. You you are a saint uh, for putting, I mean, your, your patience agreed. here is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think that would have been a really cool ending, though, honestly. Like, if they went Thank out, like, you. Reservoir Dog style and just, like, everyone shoots everyone and we're Dude, done, you know? Yeah. Um, just leave Andrew and Travis or whatever just to, like, oh. be left over. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a bummer ending, though, like, for sure. It was just, like, it was bleak, but I think that's obviously, like, kind of the the intent, you know, of it. So, yeah. 
I'm not always opposed to it. I don't need like a happy ending all the time, but I would just, again, I think throughout the whole movie, I just realized it was subverting my expectations. So I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that it just like ended <laughs> on kind of a, a bummer yeah. note, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, okay. Before we start recording, you said you're keeping your picks close to the chest. I am indeed. What, do you, what are you picking for true cinema? Cause I'm copying you this week. I'm also not picking something on the list and I'm okay. curious if we're going to pick the same thing. So I'm keeping my A1s to my chest, um, but oh, actually okay. on true cinema, um, the truck drive scene is probably, oh, nice. that okay. whole sequence is probably my favorite thing in here from the beginning of them walking to the truck. He's like, you're in the back, all that kind of stuff, all the way up through like the shootout and stuff. That was, that was uh, the, the peak for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can respect that. I like that pick a lot. I am going to choose a conversation between Paul and Will. They share some of their, you know, of, of grandpa's uh, hard alcohol. That is mm-hmm. obviously oh, like yeah. gold. It is hard to come by. And there's a moment in their conversation when mm-hmm. he, you know, he, uh, Paul asks him like about his family or something, yeah. something to this effect. And, and Will replies and says like, you know, oh, I was an only child. And Paul's like, well, I, I thought you told me that you had a brother, which a, I thought was a great callback initially mm-hmm. to the very first like moment of distrust of like, now we're, we're hearkening back we're, we find ourselves in the same situation again. And then, and then Will responds. It's like, well, it was, it was a brother-in-law. It was like a brother, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And immediately after that, uh, Paul basically like is silent for like 15 seconds. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to head to bed. I'm going to get yeah. out of here. Yeah, and yeah. and I, I, I remember being like, that's it. That's the moment. Like he fucked it. Like, so is, was, was he telling the truth, Ben? I don't know. I think that is something this movie actually does really, really well. Is this like ambiguous distrust? Like, I, I don't really know people's true intentions. I thought it was good. It was, it was great. And then now I'm honestly just picturing you pausing it and yelling at Molly. Like, that's it. That's the moment. That's it right there. This is it. This, oh, look, we're Molly, here. this is it. Pay attention. <laughs> I'm, I'm just Leo. I'm just like pointing to the screen. I'm like, this is the moment. Just, is just so right you here. know, this is it right here. Uh, okay. Let's do our A1X. We've got Joel Edgerton. Obviously, we have not uh, talked about on this pod before, I believe. Um, so we've got Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. He does make a cameo in the Kenobi television show, I believe, as well. Mm-hmm. Smoke and Aces, Warrior, The Thing, Zero Dark Thirty, Great Gatsby, The Gift, Black Mass, Loving, It Comes at Night, Red Sparrow, and The Green Knight. Um, what does he do? What does he do in Zero Dark Thirty? I haven't seen that movie for a minute, but that movie. It's been a while. Left. I assume he's just one of the soldiers. I don't remember though. Exactly. <laughs> he's just a foot soldier, just a man. It's been a minute. Been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, what's what's your pick? My pick is one of my favorite movies of all time that is not on this list. Um, you know, I, you know, you've been on, you've come on uh, the other pod. I do three films in a podcast and we do a round called unsung gems on movies that we love that we think people don't know mm-hmm. enough about. And this is one of the first ones I picked. It's called animal kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. they actually made a TV show about this, I believe on TNT, which I have not watched yet. Uh, but it's about an Australian crime family kind of based on a true story. Um, and Joel Edgerton is in it. Guy Pierce is in it. Jackie Weaver, uh, and our boy Ben Mendelsohn is in it. Um, and he is, okay fucking fantastic in it um so it's honestly just a it's a great movie but essentially this uh 17 year old has to go live with his grandma who's played by jackie weaver but she's kind of the head of this like crime family and so he's like thrown into the midst of this stuff um unintentionally or unexpectedly 
So it's how he deals with that, you know, being surrounded by the, this, this criminal family, even though that's not really his thing and how he gets wrapped up into it. It is, it is such a good film. I love it <laughs> so much. Um, I'd, yeah, honestly, I'd, I'd recommend it to anybody. So uh, Animal Kingdom is going to get my Joel Edgerton pick. Okay. Yeah, that's that's hard to, hard to beat, man. That's pretty good uh, reasoning there. I'm going through Joel Edgerton's IMDb real quick to see if there's anything on here that I, I skipped. I do want to mention he is in the next Paul Schrader film called Master Gardener. Um, okay. Just just wanted to put that, put that out there. Definitely, we love Paul Schrader on this pod. Uh, first Reformed is a masterpiece. Um, so looking forward to that. I am probably... Yeah, and so you were right about you were right about Zero Dark Thirty. It says Patrick's squadron team leader. So at least he was oh, a yeah. team leader. So team leader. He, yeah, he had that yeah, going yeah. for him, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> um, dude, honestly, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Zero Dark Thirty because that movie is dynamite. That if, really if you is. have not seen Zero Dark Thirty, you are missing out. Not only directed by Catherine Bigelow, which is like one of the greatest female filmmakers maybe ever like she hasn't made anything recently but she has made some absolute heaters um Point fucking break Point dude, break, man exactly exactly um and that that movie is just so it's very discomforting it's very visceral so be prepared and and you know yeah. it, it deals with war so you you see a lot of stuff um but that movie is sick um i, I like that movie a lot okay movies with it in the title obviously this is called it comes at night and uh, I do think it is worth mentioning. I do love a title that that says it because it's so ominous. Like, well, mm-hmm. what does it mean? What is what it? Is um, it? And, yeah. and I, I think it's uh, really effective. So it comes at night. We've got it. We've got it. Chapter two. Obviously, it follows. Set it up. Just go with it. It's a wonderful life. Some like it hot. As good as it gets. Wreck it, Ralph. Wow. Good pick, Ben. Put that one on the list. That was right. Um, it's a it's a mad, 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 mad world. A river runs through it. What's love got to do with it? And it's complicated. That's everything on the short list. You said you you have another secret pick for this one. I, I tried going through pick. my letterbox. I couldn't fucking find a thing with really? it in the title that I've seen. Yeah. Well, my pick uh, comes from a, I don't know, newly kind of important MCU director, Mr. Peyton Reed. Handled all the Ant Man movies coming up, mm-hmm. Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Let's um, go, also Kang, baby. The Breakup, a great movie. Um, but he directed just one of the best 2000s, like teen comedies, whatever of all time, called Bring It On, uh, with our queen Kirsten Dunst, um, and Eliza Dushku and Gabrielle Union, a great cheerleading movie. Um, it is, it is fantastic. I have my partner Ashley to thank for that. So, uh, I am yeah, one hundred percent picking up, picking Bring It On. That's that's good, man. That's w- well done. I haven't seen Bring It On. I feel like I've kind of missed the boat. You know, I feel like I I feel like it was a time and place situation. Should I watch it though? What it sounds to me like is you need an Animal Kingdom Bring It On double feature. So, <laughs> I do the double yeah, bill. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Absolutely. Um, okay, mine is not on the list either, and I'm going to go with a, a movie that I actually just watched two days ago called it it came from outer space it is a 1953 uh sci-fi movie uh, literally about an, an alien that comes from outer space um i thought it was a banging movie for being nice. made in the 1950s it's got really cool camera work of like how we see how the alien sees things it's got great oh, nice. s- great subtext on you know masculinity and and fear of the unknown and all of these really important uh themes and arcs and uh 
I th- I thought it was quite a good movie. So that's that's the one I've got in my letterbox right now with it in it. the title, and I'm picking it. Um, but you know, I've got I've got a week now. Maybe I'll come back to this next week after I do a little little more deep digging. But I think I'm gonna stand by my pick. I, I like that movie. I like that movie a lot. I think it's great. I uh, await your Animal Kingdom Bring It On reviews next week. <laughs> Coming up, you bet. Coming up. Uh, okay, A twenty four ranking, A through F. You came in with the fucking heat last week, Ben. I did, and you just you dished it. You dished you dished down an F twenty four. Hopefully, you don't feel as duped as bamboozled by it comes at night. Uh, do you do you have a ranking? I do, um, and I only gave the witch an F twenty four. Because uh, the F minus 24 doesn't exist. So I just, I just want to make that clear. For <laughs> you <everybody>. haven't stopped. <laughs> have, have not stopped. Um, I think I'm going to give this hmm, maybe like a, a C plus 24. Um, solid. Super a little solid. above average. Uh, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it's really riding that line there of a B minus 24. But I'm going to stick with a C plus 24 for this. Like it, it was good. It was, you know. Really mm-hmm. good. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna go with. Yeah, I I fall pretty similar into line into line with that. I'm gonna go with the C minus a C minus twenty four here, and really the the minus comes because I think it gets a little loose. I think I think it meanders a little bit in kind of the going into the second act. We get this big montage of the family really trying to establish this like familial trust. Just didn't yeah. didn't work for me. I, I didn't see that that was needed at all. Um, and then, you know, the kind of the switching back and forth between what Travis actually sees and what his dreams are. I, I like the ambiguous nature, but it just didn't work for me all of the time. And I think it, it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. And obviously I've mentioned, I, I would like more backstory with the for actual sure. virus and like the actual sickness, but I think the movie did a lot of things well and definitely tackles that big broad theme of like, wow, you know, humanity is its own worst nightmare, right? It's yeah. its own worst enemy. And uh, I think it does that in a really, really good and effective fashion. So I'm going to go with a C minus. I think it's, yeah we're, yeah, we're falling in the C's there. This feels like a real middle a of the road. One. Yeah, A24. Still a recommend, but not obviously the first recommend that we'd give. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I had an okay time with this. I'm very excited about November. I mean, unexpectedly it's kind of become new release November. We got a, like a 24 is just throwing out a lot of stuff. So uh, I'm excited to, to see some, some new movies for sure. Um, yep. But I honestly would like love to hear people's thoughts on it comes at night. I feel like it is a pretty, uh, maybe not as divisive as the witch by any means, but um, I'm curious to see what people thought about what they got versus what they thought they were getting with this movie. Um, so yeah, hit us up, let us know. Um, you can get it at us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at, 24 minutes of a 24. My name is Ben Lahorn. And I, I am Ethan Simi. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube and watch yeah, us on please. YouTube as well. Cause we are on YouTube now, which is very yeah. exciting. Uh, but yeah, I'm Ethan Simi spring break forever, bitches. <laughs> <laughs>